You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, make some noise. Final whistle, not long gone at Tyne Castle. Hearts 1, Powock 2. Mark Donaldson, once again joined by Scott McIntosh from Amaruso. Let's it run. Scott, that was one that got away, was it not? Yeah, I, I, I don't know whether I'll feel differently about this after I get hopefully a decent night's sleep, but... I'm, I'm in two minds about whether, if somebody was to ask me whether we got what we deserve tonight, I'm not quite sure whether I would say yes or no. Mm. There's a part of me that tries to analyse the full 90 minutes and go, we had the bulk of the game, we created some half-decent openings without maybe not enough clear-cut chances. And the other half of me is thinking, well, if, if you look at the two goals we lost, you know, we were really the... The makers of our own downfall. Yep. So there is a bit of me that thinks maybe we got what we deserved just due to the fact that we've still got a little bit to learn in these European ties. I think that's a good point. I think naivety was our biggest downfall today and a lack of the ability to be streetwise. Um, they are well versed in the dark arts. Um, and and look, they they did what they had to, they annoyed the crowd, they they, they benefited and capitalised on a weak referee. I thought he was dreadful, the official from, from Latvia. But it's easy to go, oh, we lost, let's blame the ref. No. There's small margins here. And the small margins are, are, are quite simply a few inches. The difference between Lauren Shanklin putting Hearts 2-1 ahead and the goal being chalked off. And then the, the naivety and, and the, the inability to be streetwise and leaving their most dangerous player at the edge of the box Free and he does what he does. It's like Albert Riera, um, albeit a little bit closer when he scored for Bordeaux from from way downtown. So we'll discuss the events at Timecastle this evening. We'll look back on uh, what we saw and preview the game at Dundee and also the second leg at Thessaloniki, La Tumba, in seven days' time. Scarves around the funnel make some noise proudly. Presented and sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who've been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Okay, let's start with the Hearts lineup. A 4-2-3-1. Matty Atkinson preferred to Odell Ofaya at right back. A start for Alex Cochran, but as a defensive midfielder, they've been working on that in training this week. 
And the three in behind Lawrence Shankland saw Liam Boyce playing the number 10 role, Barry Mackay playing wide left, and Kenneth Fargas playing wide right. What did you make of the lineup? I was happy with the lineup. Uh, I think, given the, the personnel, I think it's about as strong as we can go. There's a toss up maybe when it comes to Cochrane about whether. Again, somebody like Sibica that could have played, but I don't want you over-egg that because I feel like that's all I've been doing the last couple of weeks. But but really, in, in, in essence, they've clearly been working on it with Cochrane. They had a bit of time there against Rosenberg last week, so it certainly made sense. And I know it was, it was probably a 4-2-3-1 on paper. I think there was definitely big chunks of the game where it looked more like a 4-4-2 and we were sort of matching them up. Uh, so there was elements where I, I felt that Boyce was possibly not deep enough to really t- exploit the space that I think they were offering us in the centre of the park. And I felt that there was times where, you know, Vargas and Mackay were collecting the ball in too deep a position as well, where they maybe couldn't, you know, uh, have a go at them properly uh, or in a, a sort of more offensive part of the park. So, yeah, I, I did feel at times that it, it did look more like a 4-4-2. But, but again, in terms of the 11 and the personnel, you can't really argue with, with, you know, with who they set out. Now, I know you've you've said that you prefer Toby Civic to start. What also has the young man who played in the first leg done, Aidan Denham, that suddenly Alex Cochran has is, is played in, in that position ahead of both him and Toby Sibick, because I know that you, you've spoken about Sibick in, in that position, and he's someone that knows the position better than Cochrane. I thought Cochrane was all right tonight. I, it's it's difficult. It's a, it's a position whereby your natural instinct as a defender is to either go back the way or to look for a pass. He never shirked. I'll give him that. He was always he was always an option, certainly in the first half. But a lot of the time tonight, I wasn't sure how brave we were on the on the ball. And I think if, if you'd looked at certainly the first 20 minutes of the Powell home game against Hajduk, their defence doesn't like being put under pressure. And and we saw that in the early stages. We'll get to the goals in, in just a second, but this is Monday, Monday morning quarterbacking. Right? This is easy to do. This is frustration. This is why managers don't like to be interviewed straight after games, because you're still hot under the collar. And that's a game Hart should have taken something from. And they were good. But I think we probably made them look a little bit better than than they actually are. Next week's next week's going to be very different, and I, I just wonder they've obviously decided early in the week that Cochrane is going to play as a defensive midfielder. Was it the best option, regardless of who he could have who he could have played instead? Yeah, I, I personally think that the reason they didn't go with Denham was that they possibly were giving Pauk a lot of respect. And I think they were anticipating them to possibly... I think what they were anticipating them to do was break the lines. Because if you look at our press in the first half, again, that was a sign of possibly giving them too much respect. And we seemed to be hesitant, almost as if we thought Rosenberg caught us out a few times with that over the last two games. Maybe we need to sit a bit deeper. We maybe need to play with two proper defensive midfielders that can intercept and break up the play. So I think there's been a little bit of that that's been going on in their head. You could see when they came out in the second half that clearly they'd been told to sort of scrap that that sort of philosophy and, you know, press higher up the park. I mean, Devlin in particular was almost playing as a number 10. 
uh, during spells in the, the second half in terms of from a pressing point of view anyway. So there's maybe a couple of lessons that could have been learned for the management staff as well as the team tonight. Uh, and I think that's possibly been the thinking behind then I'm not starting. I think another reason as well is he'd done well last week, but I think you throw in caveats. I think a lot of us were jumping on the fact that there's this almost Disney story to it because he was, you know, just about thrown out of the club a few months previous and released. And then he gets his first start in a European game. I think in the cold light of day, when you reanalyse the match, there were huge gaps between Denham and Devlin throughout the game or throughout the 65 minutes that they were, they were sort of paired up together. And naturally, you know, you can't afford to do that against decent opposition. We were sort of running a risk of that last week, but we were already a goal down in the tie. So you can sort of understand the reason why we kind of just went hell for leather. But tonight, possibly needed to be a bit cagier. And again, I think that's just why they, they opted for a, a bit more experience, albeit someone who isn't overly familiar with the position. It didn't have to be Denham. I mean, we saw Subic play there on Sunday. Surely Sunday should have been a dress rehearsal for this because look there were a lot of things that that worked for Hearts tonight but a lot of things that that didn't work and we're maybe going into the minutiae of something here but if you've got an opportunity prior to a game like this a game of this magnitude to practice something that you're going to put into place on the Thursday Cochran started at left back on Sunday and he was replaced and on came Stephen Kingsley after 61 minutes if you're going to play him in that position and yes, he moved back into that position previously against Rosenberg, but surely you get reps in, in that position because I just felt it didn't it didn't provide enough protection for a defence. And and this isn't having to go at Alex Cochran, right? Because this guy's a really, really good left back and he's done what he can when he's played at left midfield and when he's when he's dropped back. I just think we dropped the ball here because you need protection in a European tie. Kai Rolls was dreadful. He was absolutely dreadful in this game tonight. And he just, it, it was like whenever he gave away the foul for the penalty, it took him forever. He looked like a cat on a hot tin roof. He was really, really nervous in this game. Well, that's certainly how he looked. Now, you're not going to turn around here and say, well, you should have played Civic there instead of, instead of Rose. No, because hypocrisy would suggest we can't say, well, they've done well as a partnership so far, and then suddenly we're taking them out for Civic. Kai Rolls shouldn't have made that challenge. It was it was something that that he'll look back on and go, yeah, he, he made a mistake. But it, it took him too long to recover from that, and he didn't have protection in front of him, Scott. Yeah, I, I think that's. I mean, I, I would disagree about Rolls. I thought he had a, a very shaky opening ten fifteen, similar to what Kent did last week. But I thought he he grew into the game after it. Albeit, first half, sorry, first half. I, I stand yeah. corrected. First Albeit, half, he was nervous. Two really bad, you know, uh, pieces of decision making that, that led to their first goal. Uh, but yeah, I think that again, we, we've talked about the centre midfield position now the last sort of three weeks, and it's something we're, we're going to have to sort of face come Sunday again because what I don't want to see is us going with that double pivot. I'd, I'd rather see us play with maybe one sort of player, a proper number six that can maybe intercept like Devlin and then maybe, like you say, whether it's Denham, whether it's Grant, whether it's Lowry, I think we get somebody who's looking to, you know, make penetrating passes going forward because just now, far too often, Shanklin and Boyce are having to come deep, which is fine if you're playing a 4-2-3-1, but tonight, I think we were trying to go for a 4-4-2, but we just... 
I just felt at times that their two forwards were having to come too deep, which meant that we weren't really turning their centre halves, and that was their, their their weakest part of the the team by a country mile. I mean, their two centre halves would struggle in the Scottish Premiership. They were not yes. great at all. Yes. They were not convincing. Uh, but yes, centre midfield is definitely the the area that's been you know causing the most red flags, particularly since Harrens uh, picked up his injury a couple of weeks ago. We've gone from having a plethora of defensive midfielders to having to play players out of position in there. Let's move on. Opening goal, Lauren Shankland from the penalty spot. Would you expect a referee to have seen the foul on Vargas in real time without the help of VAR? Yeah, he's got a very good view. He's, his view is not uh, restricted in any way at all. It's not blocked. Uh, you can see that in the various replays. So yeah, it looked a uh, a very easy decision, then you would think VAR only need to look at it maybe once to then tell him to maybe go to the screen, but it seemed to take... It's like he wasn't like convinced, was he? Yeah, once he went to the screen, it's like he was trying to talk the VAR official out of of, of what the VAR officials are advising him to do. I felt that the referee had a... He loved the theatrics. You know, there was times where he would pull the game back when he'd clearly already given... Uh, advantage to the team. There was times where he, he gave a free kick against, I think it might have been Boyce in the first half, where the pout player turns round to look at the man rather than the ball. So straight away, that's a free kick to us. He's not he's not looking at the ball, he's just looking at the man and then backs in and doesn't try and you know jump for the ball. Boyce jumps over him to get to it and he gives... So it, the referee was, he was fussy, he wasn't very good. Uh, again, that there seems to be a trend with that based on what we've seen in the last two weeks as well. So I think we've just now got to try and adjust to that as well as we can. Like you were saying earlier, you've just got to try and employ the dark arts and try and sort of learn uh, and during these ties. But but yeah, it was uh, it was certainly strange that it took that that lengthy time for the decision to be made. A brilliant noise at, at Tynecastle before the goal, and it was phenomenal. It just would have been nice if those fans had a little bit longer to celebrate a lead until they got the penalty and it's clumsy from Rolls. He shouldn't have done it. And there's no complaints whatsoever about the decision, is there? No, no, definitely not. And I think, like I was alluding to earlier, there's, there's two bad mistakes from Rolls. So the first one's, you know, heading the ball back into a dangerous area rather than just trying to, you know, head it out for a, a throw or sort of heading it out wide, which is fine. It's a lot easier to defend from that area. Uh, and then he makes a challenge where he, he doesn't really need to. I mean, the, the power player is potentially going to get a shot and goal, but it's from a, a pretty acute angle. I think Clark would have had his near post covered, so it would have had to have been a, a really good shot to have went in. And there was three or four Hearts players also there kind of in cover as well. So again, it's it, it's it's not having calm heads in those vital moments. And I think there's a particular moment towards the end of the game that really sort of uh, typified that from the, the team as a whole tonight. And it was, I think fire had uh, just got a, a throw-in down the right-hand side towards the sort of section end part of the main stand. And him and they're so, they're so rushing, they're obviously aware of the fact that there's maybe two or three minutes of injury time. But rather than take their time and make it count, it's a rushed throw. Oda then can't get control of it and it goes out for a throw into them and it's it's those little moments that that are now costing us in these European games. We've made progress compared to last year in terms of tactically, in terms of our shape and our press 
uh, and we're certainly, albeit still maybe showing a bit too much respect at times, we've definitely sort of proven that we can try and match some of these sides now that have got a bit more of a European pedigree than us, but there's still those individual sort of lapses of concentration that are still sort of undoing our good work just now. I thought our throw-ins in the second half especially were awful. Well, that's been... I mean, I don't know how many years I can go back, probably since John Robertson left and retired. Uh, I feel like Rob was the only one I ever found that ever made any <laughs> movement for the ball, could shield the ball. It's just, it's. I don't know if it's a modern thing. It's not something I, I probably focus a lot on when I'm watching other teams either. It's maybe something I'm going to have to see now to see if this is just a Hearts problem or if it's just a part of the modern game that, you know, there isn't much movement up top when throw-ins are made, but it's well, certainly... much movement at all. We've struggled with for a while now. I remember doing an ESPN FC with Stevie Nichol and he absolutely hammered the Liverpool throwing coach that they'd appointed. And the Liverpool throwing coach had this and then battled back and there was a there was a big back and forward regards that. I mean, look, Villa have got a hearts when Austin McPhee was there in Scotland. Now Villa have got the set piece guy in Austin McPhee. Um, it, it is what it is. It just you expect someone to to, to show anyway. That that again. That that's the minutiae of of that. So it's one one. Twelve minutes gone. What about the rest of the first half? How good are they? It it took us a while, I think, to really get to grips with the fact that they probably weren't the side that we thought they were. Uh, now, naturally, there's been a lot made of their cup run a couple of years ago. But I think what we fail to acknowledge or realise is that they've lost probably four or five of their best players for that cup run. And although they're still a decent side, they're not the side that they wins once were. I think anyone who watched highlights of their game against Hadjik Split last week could could see that they were there for the taking at the back. Uh, and again, I just felt that we sat off them at times in the first half, which was clearly a, a you know a management decision. I don't think that was players sort of not playing the instruction because you could see the turnaround in the second half once the management team had got them in at halftime. You could see that the press was a lot higher up the park. As centre-halves, we seemed to be more aggressive as well. Kent and Rowles were sort of a, a good 10 yards further up the park as well. So it wasn't just... Because sometimes I've watched Hearts in Europe and there's a press from, say, like the front three, but then there's a huge gap between that and the midfield. And again, it, even playing a, an average side in Europe, they'll know how to break the lines and play triangles around that. So it was good to see that it was a whole team that seemed to be aggressively pressing rather than just the front three. So there is, again, there is positives to take from tonight. And I think that I just wish that we'd maybe done that a little bit sooner and maybe applied that, you know, at some point in the first half rather than waiting for half time. But again, that's another hindsight thing. I appreciate that being at home in the first leg, sometimes it causes you to play a little bit on a knife edge because you don't want a you don't want nothing to play for in the in the away leg. So you know that it's not a case like last week where you know straight away exactly what you need to do to get through to the tie. So I don't know if there's been that psychological difference as well between this week and last week that's played a part. They were a, a much better side at home against Hyduk Split, even though they, they, they gave up chances, but but they created plenty. Then they were away from home. They, it's like they have two different game plans. One is to go away from home and to to be tight, not to take too many chances, but to try and capitalise on opponents' weaknesses. 
And I think they, they did that with Hearts. The second one is is at home with the noise that, that they have to utilise that. So it's going to be really difficult. Hearts are still in with a, with, a, with a chance, of course. They're only a goal down. It's not like we're 5-0 down going to Spurs or Hibs are 5-0 down going to Villa. We could have gone in to that game in Thessaloniki 2-1 in the lead. And we were for a spell. And I was really excited. I thought it was a really good finish from, from Shankland. But the first replay, I kind of thought, oh, shit, he's offside. And it was because Trost Ekong got back. But Trost Ekong, the Nigerian, he, he got back after Shankland had been played the ball and was in an offside position. So it looks like there's absolutely no complaints whatsoever from Paok. Now, we were watching replays and then it came back and obviously there's the referee with his hand up. So I was aware of it because there was a replay that, that showed it. I know you weren't at the game tonight because you've been uh, you've been recovering from a bug. Um, so you watched it on, on TV. I mean, credit to the officials there. They, they did it nice and quickly, but it's a kick in the balls, isn't it? When you think you've scored a super goal and you don't even think there's an issue for offside until you see that replay. Yeah, there was. Not that... Not that I think it, that played a huge part in the rest of the game. I, I, you know, naturally people might say, well, it might have deflated them. I don't think it did because I think we just kept on going at them. Even after that moment, it was the second goal and then their game yeah, management yeah. after the second goal. Agreed. A sort of bigger impact. Uh, but yeah, like you say, can't really complain with the decision. It's it's black and white with VAR, so that's, you know, that's nice. It's nice that you don't have any sort of controversy when it comes to those types of decisions now in the game. And it was unfortunate because, like you say, it was a great finish. It would have equaled Robbo's record of seven goals in Europe as well, so it would have been another Robbo record that he would have been chasing after only a season and a bit. Uh, and it was just great to see Boyce causing havoc in those areas, similar to what he'd done for the second goal last week, but Fine margins, you know, without wanting to sound too much like Jack Ross, it, it really was at times tonight, fine, fine margins. So we've got the second goal to discuss. We will do that after this short break. And there's no Marshall's Chunky Chicken. There's no Glasgow Hearts. There's no Colin Chisholm talk this week. But we got plenty mileage on Twitter or X, whatever the hell it's called, last week. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, so 1-1, we've had the goal chalked off. We thought we were 2-1 up. I think you've just made a really good point before our little break. I think Hearts, from halftime for half an hour, until Zhivkovic scores, were pressing, pushing, knocking on the door, doing all right, not showing the same respect that we showed them in the first half. But then it was like the sucker punch, wasn't it? And to give their most talented player time and space at the edge of the box, you can't do that in Europe, Scott. No, uh, and this is where... I know I sound like maybe a fan for a bygone era, but I I really do not I, I really do not like you know this whole concept of zonal marking. I just want players to be given the responsibility of picking up each player. So if you 
I mean, we're, we're keeping everyone back at set plays just now. How hard can it be to just say, you pick up him, you pick up him. If somebody's at the edge of the box, you pick up him. This whole thing where we've got four or five players across our own six-yard box and then maybe three or four contesting with maybe their better players in the air, it doesn't fill me with confidence. I appreciate that it's a step in the right direction from last year where it looked like we were playing you know, fully zonal under Robbie Nielsen and that was just a, an absolute car crash, especially with Craig Halkett missing through injury. But again, it's it's the lapse, lapses in concentration and also just a bit of naivety when it comes to the tactical side of the game as well. I'm sure there'll be loads of people that'll be able to tell me on Twitter that there's, you know, a lot better sides than us who do adopt 50-50 with zonal and man marking. That's fine. They're better sides. For me, I just think at our level, I'd rather see our players go man for man in that way. If someone scores, you know straight away who was responsible for that. Mm. It's too easy to pass the buck when you start playing about between the zonal and the man marker. I was thinking Lowry for Mackay, even before Mackay's injury. Hopefully it's not too serious. Alex Lowry didn't quite have the impact that we were hoping for when he came on for Mackay. I think tonight Vargas had far more of an impact on the right-hand side than Mackay, and then Lowry did... On the left-hand side, he's a, a young lad, the Costa Rican, but he's not short of confidence. And wasn't it great just to see a winger close by the touchline, getting paint on his boots, looking and having a go and taking on the fullback? It was kind of a reminder of bygone days of Cahoon over on the other side and, and McCann. Yeah, and fair play to the recruitment team, because I think they've really done their, their homework on this guy, because what yep. I was really impressed by was the fact that although he's slight in figure... He doesn't look like he's going to get shoved off the ball too easily. So sometimes when you sign someone that age from maybe the you know the South American or the Asian leagues or over in Australia, you might think he's going to take a few months to bed in. I actually think he could easily have a run in the team over the next couple of months. Sure, and I think he would fit in. Uh, defensively, he seems to understand his job. So discipline-wise, for someone that young, him and Oda have both shown over the last few months that they're more than capable of helping out, which is great considering the fact that, you know, we do intend on playing with these sort of inverted full-backs with, with Atkinson or Afaya sort of, you know, making space and making runs into the centre of midfield. So, yeah, I was really encouraged by what I saw from him and, you know, the the lead-up to the penalty, it was just really positive, just direct running yeah. and just, you know, making that defender make the choice, you know, giving them mm -hmm. a choice to make and just getting that little vital touch into the box. Uh, and it was great to see. And, and hopefully, you know, that won't be a, a cameo. Hopefully that'll be something that we'll get to see on a week-to-week -week basis. But for me, he's, he's played his way into the first 11 and I'd definitely be keeping him in the team for Sunday. So the one enforced change was Lowry for Mackay in 65 minutes. But we waited 12 minutes after they went 2-1 up to introduce Civic and Tagawa for Cochrane and Boyce and then Oda and Ofaya for Vargas and Atkinson in the 90th minute. Did we did we wait too long to make more changes? I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one because I, I kind of felt like they just... Like I say, the second goal took the stuffing out of us and then their game management meant that we couldn't really get any sort of pattern of play building up for even like a couple of minutes for the last 15 minutes of the game. Bringing substitutes on would have just add, added more sort of uh, delay to sort of getting the game kick-started again if we'd been in possession. So it's quite difficult. There's 
there's no one yet on that Hearts bench that you would say, oh, definitely, you know, if we bring him on, he'll definitely create a goal or score a goal for us. We haven't really seen enough of the likes of Tago and that to make a decision on them. And then some of the other guys that are on the bench, you know, Halliday, Sibic and the likes, they're more guys that you bring on if you're maybe trying to see a game out rather than mm-hmm. push for a, you know, for an equaliser or a winner. So I can understand to an extent why the substitutions weren't made to that late stage, especially, you know, Boyce was still having a, an impact on the game at that stage. So I certainly wouldn't have taken him off any earlier than we did. Do we know why Neuenhoff wasn't on the bench? I was watching the the coverage over here, the World Feed coverage. I didn't get BBC Scotland or, or Hearts TV in the US for this one. Was there any mention about Neuenhoff? So as far as I understand it, he's in the 25 squad. I think the only difference being that you obviously need to have a, a certain quota of yes, youngsters yes. uh, in your bench. So naturally, Macaulay Tate was sort of preferred to him. James Wilson was preferred to him. And then you had Liam McFarlane as well, sort of making up that trio. Uh, they probably looked at Neuenhoff and just felt that tonight they were either going to need number six style midfielders or attackers. So they probably looked at the likes of Halliday and Civic and Macaulay Tate and fought in, in Aidan Denham as well and felt that they were they were already well covered for that position. I'm not quite sure how much of an impact Neuenhoff would have had tonight. Uh, yeah. Again, I think it is going to take a bit of time to sort of bed them into the team and, and because of the issues we're having just now in midfield in terms of getting the balance right, it is difficult to throw him in and then expect him to sort of have a, a huge impact. So I think that's all it was tonight. I okay. think it was yeah. down to the rules. The clear difference between the two sides, I mean, the, the, the squad values, they bring on a player with 10 minutes to go, Khaled Nari, the German, who's going to be a multi-million pound sale to Saudi Arabia, maybe before the second leg. And we, we don't have that. And... It's just, it's frustrating because I've got pals, a lot of pals have messaged me tonight that, that aren't Hearts fans. I'm like, how, how do you not get something from that? And another pal said, you made them look better than, than they are. And it's it's frustrating when, when you've got that taste of, when you see the scoreline, it's 2-1 Hearts and you think, yes, this is, this is more like it because you kind of know you probably need to take a lead over there. And then the goal's chalked off and, and they get one. It, it's very, very deflating and... We go over there now, and what do we do? How, how do we how do we line up? Because if we go gung ho from the start, they'll pick us off just like like that. So 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 what do we do? Knowing with the away goals not in operation anymore, we only need one to take it the extra time, and that's being very optimistic. I think we the first thing we've got to do is learn our lessons from from tonight, and I think acknowledge that they will look to hit us on the counter again and they will look to go direct and down the flanks. So I think given what we've said tonight, what you've heard other pundits saying tonight, I think getting somebody into the centre of the park that has some degree of control on the ball that can play forward penetrating passes is something that we need. Again, whether that be, you know, Denham, whether it be Lowry, I don't know. I don't know what option they would go for, but that's certainly something they maybe need to consider. Either that or they go to a more sort of traditional 4-2-3-1 and they drop Boyce a bit deeper to just take up those pockets of space. Because again, similar to Rosenberg and that, I don't think their centre-halves would really like to follow him out of that position and it would leave Shanklin one-on-one with someone else. So that's another option. You're right, it's not a game similar to Rosenberg, albeit we're away rather than at home, it's not a game where we need to get a goal in the first half. We just need to make sure we're still in it in the second half. Yes. 
So it's all about getting enough encouragement by keeping the ball and just not making those basic errors. Because again, that's what's cost us tonight. It's not by being the poorest team. It's mm. not by them being superior to us. It's us making those little errors of judgment, which ultimately can sometimes be the difference maker between players at our level and players at an elite level. You've seen it yeah. with Hibs and Aston Villa last night. Yep. It wasn't all about skill. It was about clinical. tactical discipline mm-hmm. and being yep. clinical and yep. not making mistakes when you had the ball at your feet. And that's the difference between these teams and our teams. Uh, so, it, again, it's a little bit psychological. It's a little bit down to concentration. But, you know, for guys like Rolls and that, Hopefully that's another learning curve for them. I don't think it's time yet to... I know that it, it could be quite easy for for some of us to make him a bit of a scapegoat for tonight, and he was certainly at fault for two reasons for that first goal, but I do think that he bounced back well from it. And him and Kent have shown signs of being a, a, a more than capable partnership at this level. So I'm hoping that they stick by that. Uh, and, yeah, just see how we go next week. It's... I don't want to use the term free hit because naturally you don't want to go over there and get hammered because that can erode confidence confidence for the domestic games as well, which you saw we done to United last year. Mm. Uh, so you do have to kind of try and balance it somewhat, but I definitely think the tie's not over yet. No, definitely not. I mean, the damage was done from March through until the end of last season. That was when the damage was done. That was the time to guarantee that if you lose in the final playoff round, that you're still going to get group stage football to have a double digit lead and to be leading Aberdeen by seven points and then not not seeing it through. Just there were positives tonight, um, but the the problem that that we have, I still think I still think that that there are issues um, with our ability to to just play simple passes. We we had balls in the middle of the park that were going out, we were given possession away. I think it's just a it, there's a bit more composure required. Rather than the, the kind of chaotic kind of let's 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 get the ball, let's push it forward. Sometimes I think we just need to, to calm things down a little bit. But the difficulty is you're not going to get any time in the middle of the park next week, are we? No. No, <laughs> you would have thought that they'd be a bit more aggressive and be a bit more on our face. But they're a goal up. You never know. That might... I think they would have been thinking, content with a draw tonight, and then we'll take them over, and we know what we've got to do. We've seen what's happened with teams. You know, if you think back to our trip to Bordeaux, we came back with a result that I don't think anyone, including the, the team themselves, were expecting. And it became this awful situation of, do you stick or twist? And then we had a really poor opening 10, 15 minutes. We lost an early goal. So... There is a chance that they may get caught in two minds next week and they might not know what to do in terms of do we press, do we try and finish the tie off in the the first half or do we sit back, soak up the game and try and hit them on the break. I'm tempted to think that they will just go for that second option but you never know with footballers, you know, they're humans and sometimes they will just get caught in two minds about, you know, how, how aggressive they want to be in those opening stages. Could complacency from Pauk be Hart's biggest chance of success in Greece? I think so. And again, that's that's what kept us in the tie against Rosenberg a couple of weeks, wasn't it? We sort of mentioned that on this show, that Rosenberg decided at 2-0 that they were quite content with that. 
and they, they kind of didn't force the issue uh, for sort of the second half and allowed us to gradually get back in the game and sort of grab that vital goal through Shanklin. So there is every chance that we might get that again. I don't think there's a huge gulf in class between Pauk and Rosenberg from what I saw, especially from middle to front. Uh, and I would say at the back, they're just as liable to sort of offer you a couple of chances as well. So there is a lot to take heart from. Uh, and I think if you compare what we've seen at Tynecastle the last two weeks compared to what we've seen in the European games last season, I think we've certainly learned some lessons, uh, uh, you know, tactically in terms of, you know, pressing as a, a whole unit rather than just a front three. But individually, man for man, there's still those little mistakes that still need to be ironed out. What are you doing for the second leg? Because I doubt Barry Mackay is going to be available for selection with the injury. So what are you doing at right back? Are you playing Atkinson or are you playing Ophaya? What are you doing in the left, wide left area? And what are you doing in defensive mid? So for me, it's very tempting to just slide Cochrane into the wide left position. Uh, I would stick Atkinson and stick with him in that right back role. And then I think it's difficult. You're sort of tempted to go with more of a ball player like Denham or Lowry, given that we're a goal behind, and just say, you know what, we just have to take that risk. And just They don't look like they're going to play through us next week. They, they didn't really do much of that tonight. So is there a risk to then say, let's play Lowry alongside Devlin and just sort of acknowledge that they're going to go long, they're going to go back to front and just ask our four defenders to just go man for man. And yep, that might blow up in our face, but it might be worth the risk just to throw Lowry in there, play Cochrane wide left and put Atkinson at right back. I remember the home game against Austria-Vienna. And I remember watching the the, the away game uh, in, in disbelief when the most offside goal in history was onside, play on, play on, kid to, to Galloway. Now, that was going there with a, a nil-nil draw. Um, as far as a two-legged tie is concerned, would this be Hart's greatest ever victory if we were to get through or are we going with the second leg away from home? I've got to put more caveats in here because obviously the locomotive Leipzig at home was was phenomenal. After a, a first leg at home, if Hearts were somehow to get through, would it be the best accomplishment from a Hearts side to go through? Would it, would it be better than, than Austria-Vienna back in the day? I think it would probably be up there. Uh, there's a few historical reasons why, you know, it might not be a bad thing for us just to, you know, just to, just to get knocked out. Uh, I was actually, I was trying to comfort a few hibbies earlier today and I was talking about, you know, general really fun. You know, you, you treat European games in isolation and they're like, well, what do you mean? I says, well, here's the evidence. When Hearts beat Lokomotiv Leipzig 5-1, we got relegated that season. When we beat <laughs> uh, Slavia Prague, Joe Jordan was out of a job by the end of the season. When we beat Stuttgart, Jim Jeffries was out of a job a few weeks later. So there is, there is a bit of you that just sort of thinks, you know... <laughs> History's telling us that sometimes getting beat isn't a bad thing. I mean, Spurs Habiters fight, though, won the Scottish Cup that season. Uh, so, yeah, but no, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just joking there. Naturally, you want us to go through. Uh, there is a chance, and you're right. I think if we were to pull this off, it would certainly be up there with Austria-Vienna, uh, if it, if not surpass it. I think the, the difference with the Austria-Vienna game was it was a bit further down in the tournament, 
and we knew that we were getting quite a favourable draw after that as well against Vela's Mostar. Uh, so there's those little caveats to add to it. But but yeah, it would certainly be some achievement if they manage it next week. Okay, let's finally wrap up this with Dundee away on Sunday. What are we thinking? Difficult game. you know. Obviously with Tony Dock, he's, he's worked alongside McInnes for a while. So you would imagine that there's going to be a, a similar sort of philosophy and setup from them. Uh, to what you've seen for Derek McKinnis sides over the last few years. They've got a few young players in their team, the likes of Lyle Cameron and that. They've got a bit of legs in their team. I do think at the back, they haven't really recruited a lot at, in, in sort of defensive areas since they got promoted, and they didn't look too hot at the at the back last season either. So I definitely think we're, we'll get a few opportunities. I think it's just going to be a case of if we apply ourselves correctly, it's a game we should win because we've got more match winners on our side than they have. So I'm confident we can go there and we can we can win by one or two goals, but it's just going to depend on how much of a toll tonight's taken on them. I'd say more mentally than physically. It wasn't a night where we were getting, you know, we were given the runaround. I actually think, you know, we, we were in the ascendancy for much of that second half. So I don't think there should be too much of an issue from a physical standpoint, but maybe one or two of the players, you know, there might be a bit of mental fatigue that maybe needs to be addressed. Okay, give me a prediction, Scott, with one Hearts goal scorer. So I am going to say 2-0 Hearts, Liam Boyce will be one of the scorers. Okay, I'll go 2-1 with Liam Boyce on target. It wasn't to be tonight at Town Castle, high hopes. Certainly after the Jambos went a goal up and thought we'd gone 2-1 up. But unfortunately, VAR spotted an offside against Lawrence Shankland and then an inability to close down their best player from a corner kick, which incidentally wouldn't have surprised me if the Latvian had given a penalty in the build-up before that corner kick for Natty Atkinson, whose hands were not in an unnatural position, but were certainly above his body when he went to ground. But anyway, it wasn't given. The penalty certainly wasn't, but we couldn't close down Zhivkovic. He fired beyond Xander Clark. So Powell will take a 2-1 lead into the second leg. Maybe complacency will come back and bite them on the arse. Karma has a funny way of doing things. And the way that they behaved, fine, streetwise. That's what the Greeks do. However, we're going to have to be at our best in seven days' time. We'll have another Scarves Around the Funnel. Make some noise then. But for tonight, it could have been better. But at least we're not 5-0 down after the first leg, like we were against Spurs and like Hibs are against Villa. Sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. This is Around the Funnel. Make some noise. Thank you to Scott McIntosh and Mark Donaldson. And Around the Funnel returns at the start of next week to preview the second leg in Thessaloniki and to look back on the game at Dens Park on Sunday. Enjoy the rest of your day, boys and girls. Bye for now.